You're listening to Liberty Buzzard with Dustin Hammett and Thomas Umstead Jr. Welcome to the show where we pick at the news along the highway of American history. And today we are going to touch on a topic that uh, is pretty historical, although I think it will be muted uh, across pretty much across the news within a week or so. I think it's going to be forgotten, which is sad because it's uh, it's it's the news of the death of what I consider an American legend uh, by the name of John McCain. Um, interesting, the fact that this guy, centrist as he is, uh, always. You know, he had a legacy of building coalitions, of reaching across the aisle, and for that, he is vilified. I mean, just talk about one of the most controversial figures in history, especially within the Republican Party. It's absolutely amazing, after his death, the the terrible things that people are saying about him, um, despite the fact that he is an American hero, a true American hero. And I think this is largely due to the ignorance, Thomas, of the American population, um, to the history of John McCain and exactly what he did. I just don't think there's too many people that know exactly what he went through. And I think if more people actually knew, they might hold him in a different light. Yeah, this show comes out a week or two after we record it. And a part of me is like, oh, man, we're missing all of the buzz about John McCain. Because right now there's lots of buzz about McCain. There's drama about McCain and Trump. Uh, but another part of me is like, no, it's good that this show's coming out late because this is an important story and this is an important conversation and it needs to last for more than just one news cycle. Uh, so by the time you hear this, everyone's going to be up in arms about some other thing. People will be outraged about some new thing. Uh, but that doesn't mean that this isn't still important. And so a lot of people know that John McCain served in the military and he flew missions um, in Vietnam. And uh, at one point he was on the aircraft carrier and like the plane next to him blew up. He was very almost killed right there. But uh, he was doing a mission where he was shot down and he landed in Hanoi prison. And he has been criticized by certain people for being captured as if he surrendered on the battlefield. But that's not how this works. When you are in an airplane and you are shot down and you have a broken leg and you're behind enemy lines, being captured is um, inevitable. There's no way to avoid that, you know, this side of suicide. And um, he was, you know, treated very terribly in Hanoi prison. You know, they put him in solitary confinement for two years, which is, um, breaks a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people, like, mentally they stop functioning uh, if they're in solitary confinement for that long. And he was able to you know, survive. And here's what's crazy. His father was an admiral. In fact, I believe his father at some, at one point in the um, war was leading the whole military operation. He was like the top guy in Vietnam. So there were like joint chiefs that were above him in Washington, but like on the ground, he was the top person who was coordinating the efforts of different branches of the military. And the Vietnamese offered him his son because he's so high ranking. Like, Hey, we can give you your son back. You know, we can release him uh, from this prison. And his dad said, no. So think about that for a minute. Having the ability to set your son free from prison, but choosing not to why not because he didn't love his son, but because he loved America more. And he knew that it was un-American to give special treatment to someone just because their father has a privileged position. 
And that sense of Americanness that John McCain uh, picked up from his father and was demonstrated in very powerful ways lasted with him for the rest of his life and into his later career. So the war in Vietnam finally came to an end. Uh, he was released uh, from from prison, from the PW prison, and he went on to become a congressman. And some things that he did as a senator, he traveled all over the world as an ad hoc diplomat. So he would be, since he was so well-known, he often would serve um, in kind of this extra capacity as a senator. Senators don't have to do that. Uh, but he chose to travel the world, interact with other heads of state, and he's really good at that. And he was a, co- a consistent voice against torture. So there was a time when Republicans were very pro-torture. They still kind of are, but they were more so back in the day. And John McCain would get up, and he was like, torture's wrong. How do you know who the bad guys are? The bad guys are the ones who are torturing. We are better than this as a country, and torture doesn't work. And I don't know how anyone could debate with John McCain on torture, because he was the only one who'd ever experienced most of the forms of torture that they were proposing. Yeah, and he was also a big enemy of pork barrel spending. He thought his own thoughts and did not toe the party line, which I really respect. Uh, so often there's an expectation that our leaders are actually followers and they just have to follow the party leadership. And I think that can be really toxic because it gives too much power into the hands of too few people and um, kind of ruins the whole point of America, the whole point of having a republic is so that you don't have all of that power concentrated. And McCain was the biggest obstacle <laughs> to someone concentrating power because he thought his own thoughts. He was his own man. And I really, really respect that. So um, got a lot of things to say. Uh, I'm, I'm going to fill up in some of the gaps about what you said, Thomas, uh, as far as, because I think it's very, very important to know the day of John McCain's capture in Vietnam. I think it's important to know the exact story. Um, David Foster Wallace, who is a famous writer for those who don't know him, uh, he, he's in the writing world, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty famous, wrote a uh, biopic about McCain on the campaign trail back in 2000. And it details exactly, it's a great read, it's a long read, uh, uh, Wallace is kind of wordy, but it's a really good read. Uh, recommend it to everybody, we'll put a, a link to that in the show notes. But uh, it details exactly what he went through. And it's important to know, and, and, and David Foster Wallace uh, puts this in his article. This is where I'm getting this from. Um, it's important to know that uh, when you eject from a jet plane that's falling out of the sky, A, you have a plane that's going hundreds of miles per hour. And when you are uh, in a scenario where your plane's getting shot out of the sky, you have zero control to slow the speed. Matter of fact, it's probably increasing to the terminal velocity of that airplane, which is hundreds of miles an hour. And then you're going to eject out of this plane. So when you're going hundreds of miles an hour ejecting out of this plane, you are strapping yourself uh, to a bomb, which is on the bottom of your seat, and it's exploding you at uh, faster than the plane is going outside of the plane. I can't tell you. I have never experienced it myself, and maybe some of the people who have had to eject can explain it. But uh, from what I know about it, just uh, knowledge-wise... The the force, the incredible amount of force that is required to eject somebody out of a plane is enough to break both of your arms and one of your legs. And that is the situation that John McCain found himself in. When he ejected from that plane, it broke two of his arms and broke one of his legs. And that wasn't it. Then he landed in a lake in the middle of the city of Hanoi. So 
He's in this lake with two broken arms and a broken leg, and he has to swim to the shore. But in the shore, it's not like he's just pulling himself to the shore and gasping for breath. No, there are hundreds of angry Vietnamese citizens waiting for him in the shore. So he swims into the arms of these horribly angry people who hate bomber pilots who proceed to beat the ever-living crap out of him. This goes on for a while. Uh, I think uh, one uh, one rifle blow actually dislocated a shoulder or something like that. During that process, eventually the army gets control of the situation. The Vietnamese army gets control of the situation, takes uh, John McCain the hundreds of yards or whatever. He landed just down the street from it to the infamous uh, prison known as the Hanoi Hilton, uh, where he's stuck in a cell for a week. Uh, no medical attention. He's in excruciating pain. Uh, finally, after about a week, they get a doctor in there, and the doctor kind of, sort of, sets a couple of uh, uh, sets a couple of the bones. And somewhere in there, they bring him in there. They stab him a couple times because they're trying to get information out of him. They he's he's got three broken uh, uh, bones in his body, if not more. He is beaten, he's brutalized, he's stabbed, he's bleeding. It's a miracle that he survived in the first place. On top of that, he's being tortured physically. He's being tortured psychologically. And then he's stuck in solitary, where he is on and off tortured again for the next five years. Somewhere in there, as you mentioned, Thomas, he was offered, because he was the admiral's son, he was offered the ability to leave early. Because the Vietnamese, they wanted the publicity coup of capturing the Admiral's son and then saying that we let him go. He refused. Imagine being, um, David Foster Wallace puts this in really good, imagine your instincts for survival, your very basis of humanity is screaming to get out of that situation. Anything you can do to get out of that pain. And here is this man, John McCain, saying, no, there is a system in place the person, the, the, the service member who was captured first gets released first, and that is our code. And he adhered to this code beyond everything that his body was screaming at him to do. And people who don't know that story and who bash John McCain, they just, it, it, it baffles me. And uh, as a veteran, as a Marine, it upsets me because most people, they don't, give a lot to their country beyond complaining, beyond words, beyond paying taxes, and then, you know, it's 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 begrudgingly, only because we make you. Most people don't volunteer to put themselves into harm's way and then actually get put into harm's way and are actually harmed. Very few people in this uh, country do that today. And so when people who uh, question John McCain, question his patriotism, question his value as an American... When they do that and they don't understand uh, the man and the history, what he went through, it, uh, as you can tell probably in my voice, I'm pretty passionate about this. It upsets me because it's just ignorance in full force. And I'm going to, I'm going to step away from that for a second. Um, you you uh, said that his, uh, his father was the commander on the ground. Admiral McCain was actually the commander of uh, what's called PACOM, which is short for Pacific Command. So he was the, um, for all the forces in the Pacific, which of course all the forces that were in Vietnam, uh, he was in charge of all the forces in the Pacific. So coordinating the the joint the coalition forces everywhere across the Pacific. So that that was his. So he was, like you said, rightly so, a a, a big dog. Um, and so that was a big deal to 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 not get released as the son of an admiral. 
And then the last thing I'll mention on Thomas, and uh, this is kind of getting into a, a tangential rant of mine, but I think it's important for anybody who's not a veteran who listens to this, especially those guys who went, went to Vietnam and who experienced um, the the um, the negative reaction uh, in a large part of American society of the military service members to Vietnam and their service, and a lot of a lot of Vietnam uh, veterans are made to, or were made to, have felt shame about their service over there, no matter what they actually sacrificed, which is pretty tragic. Because when you go through something like that, a combat situation, that's something that you will never forget. is a formative experience of any combat veteran's life, and it's something you will never forget. Whereas uh, your your average American who will never see or experience anything that a combat veteran experiences beyond what they see on the nightly news, they move on, you know, in a couple days. If it's not fresh in their brains because it's being forced down their throats by the media, they forget so fast, just like people will forget John McCain's death, just like they forgot what he did in Vietnam. They just don't care, which is kind of tragic. Um, so when, uh, when you see veterans get, uh, like myself, get angry about people forgetting, that's why, because it's a formative experience in our life. And for people to be flippant about our service, about what we gave, uh, that's that's pretty bold and I'd say disingenuous. I thought that was a great thing that you said, Dustin. And it does make me sad that our president is unable to like willingly give honor to McCain. I think that if Trump had his druthers, he would have completely m- ignored McCain and you know continued flying the flag at half mast above the white house and other just really petty things uh, because you know Trump, uh, McCain hurt his feelings and in and in a more fundamental way McCain represents a completely different vision of what it means to be a great american so McCain's picture of great americanism is sacrifice it is um suffering it is laying your life down for the country, whereas Trump's picture of being a great American is um, luxury, it is wealth, it is uh, being given a claim, and it is lifting yourself up. One is a, a humble version of America, and the other one is a prideful version of America. And they have both existed in many ways. It's the country of America, countryside of America versus the city of America. New York has always had that kind of boastful, look at me, I'm so great culture. And it's to be fair, it's part of what makes America great. It's that Barnum and Bailey circus kind of style of America. But uh, McCain did not represent that. McCain was not a Barnum and Bailey self-promoter. He was a uh, self-sacrificer. And I think that that's why Trump was so threatened and is acting so weird of like being so hesitant to give honor to somebody who deserves honor because he's a, a war hero but also deserves honor because he was a congressman and a senator and a presidential candidate. It's like, pick one. It's like any one of those would be worth flying the flag at half mass and a, you know, a leader of your own party. It's anyway, it, it makes me sad that Trump has had to basically be forced into this by his base because of Trump supporters. None. I don't know any hardcore Trump supporters who are like, yeah, stick it to John McCain. That guy's a jerk. And he, you know, I mean, what do you have against McCain? Like, you disagree with him on the issues, I guess? Like, I've never heard anyone criticize his character. 
I was like, oh, he's a terrible person. It's like, yeah, he didn't agree with Trump. So burn him at the stake. It's like, oh, really? It's like, is that all it takes now? It's like just the fact that he's not a par- fully a part of your tribe being a Republican isn't enough. He has to be the right kind of Republican. He's got to pull the to- party line and be a make America great again, tr- uh, red hat wearing Republican. It's just I, I don't think that that's the right path forward. And I don't think that that's what McCain um, would have ever represented, even if he wasn't dying, you know, and you have Trump staffers being like, oh, who doesn't, it doesn't matter about McCain. He'll be dead soon. Anyway, it's like, yes, McCain will be dead soon and he's dead now. So McCain is gone. Congratulations. But that spirit of self-sacrifice, that spirit of America is something greater than me. America is something worth sacrificing for. That is, that spirit is not dead. The military is graduating troops uh, and sailors and Marines every year that have that mindset. There are Americans growing up every year that have that mindset. And we don't see America as a thing to make us wealthy, some like path to success, some path to glory. There's something more, something special, something worth protecting. And that is not going away. That that spirit, that uh, longing to see America be made truly great, not great in the look at me, I'm amazing kind of way, but great in the, the almost, almost in the Christian way of like laying your life down. You know, greater love has no uh, man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Uh, that is what we see in that true, what I think is what really makes America great. A nation where people are willing to sacrifice to help each other instead of pushing everyone down so that they can rise up. And that is not dying with John McCain. I think that was one of Trump's big flubs in the campaign. Um, when he, when he said, uh, I like guys who aren't captured. Um, back back in his presidential run, and he was referring, of course, to McCain, which, of course, is ridiculous uh, for the reasons that we already stated. Um, and I think uh, of all of the gas that he made during his campaign, that was one of the big ones because um, there are a lot of military guys that support Donald Trump out there. There's just a lot of uh, very conservative military type people. Those are the type of people that are drawn to military service for the most part. And uh, so when you say something like that, uh, yeah, I I can't remember. Uh, Thomas, maybe you remember this. I'm going off the top of my head. I think the VFW actually came out and said something something about that. I'm going to have to go back and and really research that. But uh, that was was kind of a a bad moment for his campaign. Then he had to come back. And he actually did uh, as much of an apology as you will ever see Trump do and kind of uh, retracted. Step back away from that position. Not a full out apology because the man doesn't apologize, but uh, but yeah, but, but as much as he's willing to do. So I think that uh, the president is and was extremely threatened by John McCain because he's one person that if John McCain had actually run against Donald Trump for president, I mean, he's one person that has a hard time attacking. I mean, you can sit there and attack his record all day long and re- appeal to the hardcore conservative base, but you really can't attack his character. Um, you, you can't attack his character at all. I mean, when a man is in a prison and he's hurting and his body's broken and he refuses on principle, based on a code, to be to leave early, it's it, it's kind of it's kind of hard to defeat that one. And since then, too, it's not like, oh, he just did this thing back in the 70s and he's been, you know, living to gratify himself ever since. I I have not heard and I'm not saying that he's, you know, this perfect saint, 
but I have not heard of like, oh, reports of McCain, like of like Duncan Hunter, where there's this huge scandal and an indictment for using campaign funds for, for you know, flying his rabbit to Paris, um, which uh, I really hope that's not true. <laughs> we already talked about that on a previous episode, but there's, I have not heard whispers of that on McCain and he ran for president against a Democrat. Like if there was any of that that could have been surfaced, it would have been surfaced by the Democrat Party's incredible uh, opponent research team. You know, the opposition research that these parties do for a congressional race is intense. What they do for a presidential race, we're talking armies of private investigators trying to find every scrap of dirt that exists on a person. And I'm trying to remember what the dirt was that the Democrats ran against McCain back in 2008. I It was... Thin gruel <laughs> and nothing, nothing that I remember. And that I think is impressive. Like if they can't find anything worth running, they basically all of their anti stuff, they ran against Palin um, because they couldn't find anything against McCain. And sure, McCain wasn't as exciting. It wasn't as dramatic. He didn't fire up crowds like Palin did. Um, people were kind of ambivalent uh, about him, but I, I voted for him. <laughs> I very happily voted for him. And, um, it's too bad that he didn't win. Um, yeah, the 2008 election is really looking <laughs> like, yeah, I wish we had those kinds of options again. We've fallen a long way when our, we went from Obama and McCain as the choices to Trump and Hillary as the choices. You have one egotistical New Yorker running against another egotistical New Yorker. There's no character vote. There's no character choice. Um, it is going to come back. Uh, society goes in cycles. And Trump, I think, is, uh, at least I hope, is one side of that pendulum. And I know we have a lot of Trump supporters listening to this show. And we give Trump credit when he does good things. So don't feel like we're just hating on Trump to hate on Trump. But I feel like this is a time to take a stand and be like, hey, you've got to stand up for something that's bigger than yourself. And what John McCain did for this country and, and what he sacrificed for the, his country is worthy of honor. End of, sent- end of, end of sentence. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, it it's worthy of honor. And and it is important to give honor to pe- to whom honor is due. And, and McCain has earned at least that, at least a, you know, a full, a wholehearted, um, remembrance of who he is. And I think we, as we record this, McCain's funeral hasn't happened. But I, I want to say it's very fascinating. Who's giving the eulogies at McCain's funeral? It's his two biggest political opponents. So when McCain ran for president the first time, he ran against Bush. And when he ran for president the next time, he ran against Obama. Who is eulogizing John McCain? President Bush and President Obama. That is honor. When your opponent is willing to stand up and eulogize you at your funeral, that means that there is something about you worth respecting that's beyond who you are. And and that is that's really great. You know, that's what I aspire to be. I, I aspire to be the kind of person whose biggest political opponent can get up at my funeral and say good things. And I don't know what Obama's gonna say, but it's gonna be good. <laughs> I'm fairly confident Obama's gonna say uh, is gonna eulogize uh, McCain well. Uh, Bush is going to eulogize uh, McCain well, and um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I I hope that what McCain stood for, what he sacrificed his entire life to build, is not lost. A humble, servant-hearted America.
I think Thomas that McCain's biggest flaw, and we've we've hit on it kind of, but I'm just gonna head out and say it out loud. His his biggest flaw is his centrism, or was his centrism. And I don't say that in a flaw as I see that in a flaw. I didn't agree with everything that he said or did. There was a lot of his political stances where um where I didn't particularly agree, but he, even when you disagree with the man, you gotta you gotta give it to him. He, he he's a man of principle. Um, but I think that's what a lot of people are going to criticize him as, you know, you get the, the hardcore red Republicans or so he, he's a rhino, you know, he was, uh, trying to implode the uh, Republican party from within yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, so I re- I'm thinking back here to 2000, of course, that's a long time ago, 18 years. And I'm thinking back to 2008 and, um, I remember in 2008, uh, <laughs> The absolute dejected <laughs> dejectitude that was the Republican Party in 2008. I remember that election very well. I remember uh, listening to, was it Rush Limbaugh? I, I can't remember. It was somebody. Um, and there was the hardcore, it was some hardcore conservative uh, personality type. And somebody called in and said, how can I vote for John McCain? And uh, they said, you just have to reconcile it in your head that a vote for John McCain is a vote for Sarah Palin. So Sarah Palin was, you know, the, the real conservative credential on that ticket. Um, so his his biggest flaw within within his own party was his own centrism, was his own willingness to reach across the aisle to to find compromise. And that's kind of what our, it's not kind of, that is what our political system has come today. It's its my way or the highway. And you have to agree with me 100% or you're my enemy. Instead of, hey, let's uh, let's come to the middle and, and figure out where we can agree and, uh, and live somewhere right there in the middle. Which, ironically, is where most of America resides. When they're actually paying attention to politics, most people reside in the middle. But most of those people don't uh, vote. You really have to mobilize them to vote. It's the people on the fringes that are really loud, that are really talkative, and that will consistently show up to vote. So it's a it's an interesting world where your centrism is your biggest flaw. He didn't run out of his wife. He didn't have kids out of wedlock. He didn't uh, uh, you know have sex with porn stars and then and pay him to be quiet. He's his biggest flaw was being in the middle. You know who else was in the middle? and had people on both parties as a part of his cabinet, George Washington. <laughs> so, um, you know, we talked a couple of episodes ago about being a Marine, being a cop and how that, that identity supersedes your identity of what race you are and kind of how that plays, which is a great episode. You should go back and listen to it if you haven't. Um, but for McCain, his identity as an American superseded his identity as a Republican. And, and you see that in his voting, you see that in how he's treated. He, he looked at each issue and was like, what, through his own worldview, what is the best thing for America on this issue, regardless of which party was advocating that issue? There were times when he had a 100% score from the uh, ACU, which is the um, American Conservative Union. I'm, I'm pulling up his record here on uh, the internet. And there were times when he had a 50% score different years when he voted from that same service <laughs> because he, and he had a higher score from the uh, American uh, democratic action. So he, he scored at his highest from the ADA, the liberal group at 40%. So he was never a hardcore liberal to be clear. 
uh, and his lowest, I think he scored a five. <laughs> so um, it, he thought his own thoughts. And I think that's so important. I know I've said this already, but we need more George Washingtons, more people who are not partisan, who are, who are seeking the good of the country above the good of their party. And uh, are, yeah, it, we need more of this. And I don't know who, in terms of like in the Senate, who the next McCain is, the next moderate person. And I will say there's two kinds of moderates or centrists. There's the moderate who basically every vote is up to the highest bidder. And whoever gives them the most money, whichever special interest is donating the most to their campaign, that's where they're going with. And they're just kind of being blown by the winds of money here and there. And that kind of centrist is super toxic. Uh, I don't believe that that was the kind of centrist that John McCain is. I don't think he was for sale. I'm not saying he didn't get money from special interests, but I don't feel like that was his you know, like guiding light. Um, what we need are people who are willing to you know, reach across the aisle when the time is right and on the right issue. And if you're passionate about you know, torturing and torturing is wrong and your party is pro-torture and the other party is anti-torture, reach across the aisle and work with them on this other issue. And I think that that is, is really important. Yeah, um, I, I can't really say too much else about uh, John McCain. I think we've eulogized him pretty well. And I think there's going to be a lot of people out there that disagree with us, and uh, that's okay. Uh, all I ask is that uh, you, uh, whether whether you agreed with or disagreed with uh, John McCain's political stance or uh, hated him because of his political stance, all I really ask as a veteran is that you take into account his extremely honorable, heroic service. And uh, if you can't remember him or can't say good things about him politically, at least eulogize him, think good thoughts about him as a veteran because he deserves it. And we're going to give the last word to McCain. He wrote a letter to America and the media has not been sharing this letter very widely or they've been picking picking at pieces of it. So we're actually going to play some audio after the buzzard of the entire thing. If you'd like to hear uh, the letter, this is read by uh, his family spokesperson, uh, after his death. So these are his words. They're not coming out of his mouth, but I feel like we owe him that much to give to give him the last word on this topic. So anyway, um, hope you've enjoyed this episode of Liberty Buzzard. Feel free to drop us a line, leave a comment. What are your thoughts or memories of John McCain? Uh, you can leave us a note at libertybuzzard.com forward slash zero three four. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr. I'm Dustin Hammett. And you've been listening to Liberty Buzzard. These are John's words. My fellow Americans, whom I have gratefully served for 60 years, and especially my fellow Arizonians, thank you for the privilege of serving you and for the rewarding life that service in uniform and in public office has allowed me to lead. I've tried to serve our country honorably. I've made mistakes, but I hope my love for America will be weighed favorably against them. I've often observed that I am the luckiest person on earth. I feel that way even now as I prepare for the end of my life. I've loved my life, all of it. I've had experiences, <clears throat> adventures, friendships, enough for 10 satisfying lives, and I am so thankful. Like most people, I have regrets, but I would not trade a day of my life in good or bad times for the best day of anybody else's. I owe the satisfaction to the love of my family. One man has never 
had a more loving wife or children, he was prouder of than I am of mine. And I owe it to America to be connected to America's causes, liberty, equal justice, respect for the dignity of all people, brings happiness more sublime than life's fleeting pleasures. Our identities and sense of worth are not circumscribed, but are enlarged by serving good causes bigger than ourselves. Fellow Americans, that association has meant more to me than any other. I lived and died a proud American. We are citizens of the world's <clears throat> greatest republic, a nation of ideals, not blood and soil. We are blessed and are a blessing to humanity when we uphold and advance those ideals at home and in the world. We have helped liberate more people from tyranny and poverty than ever before in history. And we have acquired great wealth and power in the progress. We weaken our greatness when we confuse our patriotism with tribal rivalries that have sown resentment and hatred and violence in all the corners of the globe. We weaken it when we hide behind walls rather than tear them down, when we doubt the power of our ideals rather than trust them to be the great force for change they have always been. We are 325 million opinionated, vociferous individuals. We argue and compete and sometimes even vilify each other in our raucous public debates. <clears throat> but we have always had so much more in common with each other than in disagreement. If only we remember that and give each other the benefit of the presumption that we all love our country, we will get through these challenging times. We will come through them stronger than before. We always do. Ten years ago, I had the privilege to concede defeat in the election for president. I want to end my farewell to you with heartfelt faith in Americans that I felt so powerfully that evening. I feel it powerfully still. Do not despair of our present difficulties. We believe always in the promise and greatness of America because nothing is inevitable here. Americans never quit. We never surrender. We never hide from history. We make history. Farewell, fellow Americans. God bless you and God bless America. This episode of Liberty Buzzard is brought to you by Tom Umstadt's CPA. Tom has over 35 years of experience helping people like you pay only their fair share in taxes. Don't let the IRS stress you out. Get Tom and his team on your team at TaxmanTom.com.